Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Hey, everybody. This is producer Dave sitting in for Angie again. She's afforded me the opportunity to host a radio show, um, which is one of my dreams come true. I love it. I love being on the radio. I love doing what I do. I love that for the past two years, I've been able to be part of this wonderful show, share my story, listen to everybody's stories. We hear the most powerful testimonies. We talk to some pretty incredible people on the show. Um, some really, you know, everyone from really famous people to people just from here in our community that are doing really important things. And, um, you know, uh, we haven't seen them for a while, but in the next week, we're going to talk to some more Denver Rescue Mission people. Um, that is one of my favorite ministries that is here that we talk to on the show that we get to share their message. And every time those guys come in here, everybody cries because <laughs> you know, their messages are, you know, mm -hmm. their their journeys are so incredible. And some of these guys, they just hit such rock bottom is whenever I feel like I'm not accomplishing what I should be doing or that I'm. You know, when everyone lets those bad thoughts creep into their head where they're not they're not where they want to be. And mm. you, I think about the Denver Rescue Mission guys and I'm like, those guys are definitely mm -hmm. not where they want to be. And I'm just fortunate that I have such a good support system to not mm -hmm. let me get to a place like that. So I think that's really, really cool. Um, so hopefully we'll be hearing from them soon, you know, and then we get to talk to people like the Ark. You know, I know you guys have met several Love people from the, the Ark. Yep. Uh, Lloyd Lewis has been coming in lately and man, that guy's incredible. It's just such an inspiration to me. It's it funny. I, as a joke, I was like, man, it, you know, he's this really successful man who runs a very successful business. He's kind of a very important person. And then when I met him, he was asking me about me and he remembered things like little details about what I told him hmm. weeks later. And <laughs> I was like, I told uh, the girl that I work with, Marie, I was like, Marie, I wish he was my dad. <laughs> That's a gift. That is a gift. I know it is a gift. It is mm -hmm. a gift. You know, no offense, dad, if you're listening. <laughs> I, I love you too. Uh, no, but it's just really, and, and he's, he's just so full of compassion in every story. And, you know, it's, it always gets me too, because. I know uh, Monique, one of our good news friends, Monique, she uh, runs this hair salon. She works with people in a hair salon, and she, one of the girls that works at ARC, she couldn't remember her name. She's like, oh, she looks like this, and <laughs> she sounds like this. And then before he was even done, Lloyd's like, oh, it's Elena. Oh, yeah, you should meet her boyfriend, Rico. And <laughs> we actually did have them on the show oh, wow. uh, a couple weeks after that, and they were here, They were here, I think, two weeks ago. And, man, what a cool story. Mm -hmm. And That's it's neat. just so crazy how he just remembers everybody. There's 325 ambassadors at the ARC, and he remembers everyone's name and everyone's mm -hmm. story and he knows their parents and he does all this stuff and i think that's that is really a cool. gift right it is a gift yep that is a gift and for a school administrator who can remember the eight names too i think it's a real gift especially in today's world because everybody's a number so i think uh, for all of us to spend a little time and learn a couple names and be able to call them that is right. pretty incredible right right and we get it we talk to 
you know, we talk a lot on the show over, you know, over the whole time about, you know, how people are most happy when they've been called to their purpose and they're following like God's directions Mm -hmm. and they're where they're supposed to be, Mm -hmm. which is how I feel when I started, you know, when I started this show, I wasn't even sure, you know, I'm not really, I wasn't, I I grew up as a Catholic and then I kind of left the church. I never really did Mm. anything like that. Um, but I did become a Christian at one point in my teen years, but then I kind of just let it go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I always told everyone I was a recovering Catholic. Mm. Um, <laughs> and um, so I didn't really pay attention to how God works in my life. And it's funny because I was just talking to Beatrice last week about it. And I was like, I, you know, as a way to calm myself and to calm and center myself and really get myself focused, I m- meditate. But then I was telling her what I do when I meditate. She's like... No. sweetie you're praying <laughs> and i was like oh i guess i'm praying and it was like and, and just the being around you guys has really brought it back brought just the light of god back into Good. my life in a way that i don't know would have happened otherwise so mm-hmm. i just think that's really really cool and i i love that i'm here i feel Good. like i'm supposed to be i have a talk about it's called uh the armor of light 101 because we are that light for him uh whether it is waving to the neighbor down the street that never waves back to us mm-hmm. or thanking the kid at mcdonald's when we go through the drive-in window or whatever it is we are god's light no matter what we think we are or not we wear him we do or we're not right that's what Mm -hmm. jeff brodsky brodsky was saying yesterday is like you have two choices when god directs you to do something you either do it or you don't do it loved his comment about there's no maybe (laughs) right exactly i thought that was really cool that was it was excellent so actually, that brings us perfect segue. Thank you, Michelle, for uh, uh, segue. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. There we go. That's all I love it. I'm always I'm always surrounded by Michelle. All right. My mom's name is Michelle too. I really? think it's a really, really? Good, my sister and my mom. Yeah. There yeah. was there were so many Michelles in my really? class in third grade that one of us had to become I I was became Michelle I was Michelle Jones uh-huh. and then there was a Michelle Johnson. So there was they were like, oh, that's confusing too. Two J's. Yeah, yeah. and then uh-huh. there was a Michelle Renee Woodford. So the and the other one was Michelle Renee Johnson. So there was like two. Yeah, it was a mess. So one of them became Renee, and ah. to this day we still call her Renee. When her family calls her Michelle, I'm like, what? Uh, yeah. I forgot your name was Michelle. It's funny, and I grew up as Mickey, and oh, really? never used my real name. And when I came out to Colorado to teach, my dad said to me, "Don't you think it's about time you use your real name?" And so, and I knew no one, knew no one. Right. So it was a good time to start. But I, to this day, do two sets of Christmas cards: Bob and Mickey, and Bob and Michelle. Oh you know? wow, that's cool. And if they call and say, "Hi, Mickey," I know they're from home. Yes, <laughs> I know it's yes. home. Oh, so yeah, I like that. I have a name like that too. Uh, yeah. There's always been Davids everywhere that I. Ago. I grew up in Southern California too, uh, in a town where there was a lot of Hispanic families, uh-huh. and everybody in a Hispanic family has a David in their really? family, <laughs> and they all seem to be my age for huh. whatever reason. And yeah, the, I was like, I was the only white David, and then there was a guy <laughs> like, he was Asian. David. His name was David Kim, and so they couldn't even call me David K. Cause uh. I'm da- and then he was David K, and we're like, oh. So everyone started calling me by my last name back then, and up until actually two years ago when I started here at Crawford. Wow. Everyone, we, my brother uh. calls me Kita. Huh. And his name is Keita. He uh-huh. just calls me that. It's that just... is so cute. <laughs> I have a, I don't know. I love nicknames. Like when you're, when it's the name that you agree, agree yep. with. Like I can't stand when people can't be bothered to say right, your to last name. Your name. Yep. Like that I don't like, but like nicknames to me, I think are are very loving. I was in the car with a, um, a friend the other day and her dad and they're, um, 
they're Puerto Rican. And he called me mija. And I almost cried. I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> I love when people, I love when they say that. It's so sweet. What does it mean? Do you know? My, my daughter, like my oh, sweetheart. Okay. Yeah, a little okay. girl. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Sweet. It's the sweetest thing. And in, in their community, they say mijo and mija mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, see, I love that. Mm -hmm. Just like, I'm done today. Okay, mm -hmm. and I, I have a, <laughs> along that same lines, I have a confession to make. When I first moved to Castle Rock, I didn't know anybody there. Mm -hmm. And I lived there for almost nine years. <clears throat> and um, I met one of the first people I met. She's become a very good friend of mine, but she decided my nickname was going to be Dragon. Oh. And she introduced me to all oh. these people as Dragon. And now they. And a lot of them for years didn't know my name was wasn't Dragon. <laughs> oh my so goodness. there's a group of people here in the world who think my name is Dragon. Oh, my God. Okay. Which is kind of funny. Well, that. you're a smiling dragon. <laughs> I, I like I that. Yes. That okay. is really funny. Well, you know, Dragon, that's a curious nickname. Where did that come from? I have a tattoo. Oh. Huh? Truth comes it. out. She okay. saw my tattoo. Okay. It's of a dragon. <laughs> All right. You is probably won't see it. Probably. I'm always dressed up so nice here. You yes, you are. All right. I'll be looking out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's get to this uh, clip. I think this is a really cool clip. Um, it's another Boyd Hooper, our friend Boyd Hooper from Care 11, a land of 10,000 stories. And this one is about somebody who actually seemingly left his faith, hmm. but only to follow his faith even deeper. And uh, the way that it ends, I can't, I don't want to spoil it. So okay. I'm just going to let you I got 36 of these. Every single time. Gluing and sanding. That just goes on and on here. Mark Cohn pray. He gets this right. I hadn't done this since eighth grade shop class. A novice building tables and chairs would feel pressure enough. But Mark has taken his newfound woodworking passion a little deeper. A simple pine box is what I call it. This one is a work in progress. Finished product here. A finished product. Rope handles. For finished people. The lid comes off and then down here is a, a comforter. I've actually taken a nap in there just to test it out. And why not? Someday I'll take a long nap in there. He laughs <laughs> now. But Mark Cohn made his decision to start building caskets in one of his darkest hours. My dad died five years ago. It bothered Mark that even a rental casket for his father's funeral cost his family a thousand dollars. To buy one? Three thousand dollars or more. This one? Six hundred and fifty dollars. Prayers come standard. In that department, Mark has experience. 1990, I was ordained priest of the Diocese of Duluth. For 20 years, he was Father Mark Cohn. It got to be lonely. Till the isolation and stress that can come yeah. with being a Catholic priest proved too much. Sometimes I wish the phone wouldn't ring and sometimes I look at my desk full of papers and just want to go take a walk. I began to know this wasn't going to get any better. Then Mark left one caller and found another. Looks good. I didn't go away from being a man of faith or serving the Lord. I just decided I better take a little different way. Different. Yet by a twist of real estate, fate 
similar. Me in a church? <laughs> it feels right. The church that served as Hibbing's Grace Lutheran for nearly a century. It's beautiful. Just happened to be up for sale when Mark was looking for a home for his post-priest business. Kind of fitting, isn't it? Right back yeah. in a parsonage, living next door to his work. Feels like I belong in a place like this. 8,500 square feet discounted after two years on the market to $42,000. Why nobody else made an offer on it? Why this beautiful church for me to live in? Hmm. I think God might still be looking out for me. Hmm? Mark's prayer space above. His casket shop below. This is a chance to do something of the Lord's work chance to interact again with families who are preparing for death or grieving. No longer a priest, mm -hmm. but Mark Cohn is still pining to serve. There we go. Wow. Cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. yeah. What's his last name again, Dave? Uh, I can't remember now. Okay, I yeah. Just, I'll, I'll have, have to, to find look it. it up. All right. Wow, that's uh, really, I mean, we know it's a God thing. I yeah. mean, you know, the I fact mean, the church didn't circle. sell. Yeah, of that's course. what I was saying. It's an 8,000 square foot church right. for $40,000, and that's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. That is insane. In Colorado, I don't care where that is, that is like a million and a half. <laughs> right. right mm -hmm. Easy. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Uh, I've been house shopping lately, too, so I know how much uh, how much uh, square footage can cost. And so. when you're 100 like I am, you know how much a casket can cost. And that's, right. I mean, truly, I love his I love his uh, story about that because it is a huge cost for people. It right. Is. It is a huge, huge cost. cost. And uh, my favorite thing, as you, Angie, well knows, is I... My favorite time with the Lord is singing at funerals, and that's my time that I chat with him. But I also am very aware of what goes, of what cost goes into mm -hmm. a service. And um, yeah, I love his story. You know, I love the that's fact beautiful. he said he had a comforter in the bottom of it. He's going to take a nap. Yeah, he took a nap in one of the <laughs> right. caskets just right. to like test drive it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, and they were beautiful too. You can't see on the radio, obviously, but they're. I mean, they're just simple pine boxes, and he would kind Which of cut the sides down, and it was. Yeah. They're still beautiful. Of course. Of course. You know, and I, I've never understood caskets all that much, especially ones that cost $5,000. It seems crazy. Right. Ornate on the outside. It's for the people sitting there. And I, I know exactly. a service is for the people who come. I know that. But, mm -hmm. wow. It's, it's kind of like a wedding. You're too young to have gone through providing a wedding. But yeah. when our girls got married, I mean, that, weddings and funerals, your costs can get so carried away and you are so emotionally tied. Yeah. You need to think about this beforehand. Yeah. Expensive beforehand. weddings blow me away just because oh. I think the worst thing you can do for starting out a brand new relationship and doing this whole thing, starting this new life together is start it, whatever, $40,000 in debt. That's <laughs> That's sounds right. crazy. 40 would be light yep. <laughs> the way these kids are going these yeah. days. We, um, I got married in Vegas because I was mm -hmm. like, uh, we, we had been traveling all over and the thought of putting together this big, lavish, expensive mm -hmm. wedding and inviting friends from like all these Everywhere. different countries, I'm like, it's not gonna work. No one's gonna be able to come. So we just did Vegas with my parents and Good his parents you. and our siblings. Sometimes that's the friends. best way. Yeah. I yeah. got married in Mexico. We went down to Mexico and uh, we just told everyone they can come too. Hmm. If they want, 40 people showed up too, <laughs> which I think was oh, pretty cool. cool. Right? And so my my wedding only cost me about $6,000. See, wow. that's And it counted really six days in Mexico too. So. Well, that's see, in Destination, Weddings now are 
a huge. thing yeah yeah a thing exactly. oh i loved it there's the white sand beach and everyone mm-hmm. you know it was that like sun shining nice. it was an all-inclusive place so it was like yeah well 50 and... years ago honey we were in the methodist church two o'clock without any air conditioning <laughs> Just another way yeah reception was at the church you know that's it yeah that's it that was it that was it you never yeah. did anything we were talking about the difference in diets in the generations sure. that's another one too yeah, i've mm-hmm. also seen this thing where you can get put inside of a, a tree Instead of in a casket, they put you in a tree. And really? They, yes. And then you like grow into I've a tree. I've not seen that. I've also seen people turn themselves, their ashes, into records. You can get a song oh, recorded dear. onto a record, oh. and then it's made out of your ashes, and so your family can like oh. listen to you. See, I don't want anything like that because I'm not responsible enough, and it's gonna freak me out when somebody <laughs> scratches my my record or whatever no. it is. But no, the tree no, no, thing, no. I do like. I I've seen that. I I don't know what they do with the ashes, but they huh. make it so that I think it's maybe the. The, the compost or something that goes with the tree right. that helps the tree grow yes and so really? when you see that tree you always think you know my my okay. relative is part of that right. i don't know anything that's a keepsake i'm kind of i'm i shy away from that just well i just don't yeah it doesn't last long in my house because my kids are crazy or they can like push push you into a diamond under like high pressure in a high pressure machine I have seen, turn you into yeah. a diamond or make a necklace. I've heard about right. that too. I would lose yeah. that too. <laughs> lose it is a good. I've lost point. everything. Anything I ever had. I lost. Oh gosh. Oh, that was a great story. Right. Great story. So yeah. So this is a fun show. It's been a good week, yeah. and thank you guys for being here again. Um, it's a pleasure. Uh, you know, like I said in, in the beginning, this is a really cool opportunity for me because when Angie's here, uh, I don't get to do any of this. I don't get to do the driving, and you know, and mm-hmm. she's. Uh, I think she's better than me Ew, at it. Oh, you're learning and doing great. great. But, oh, and you've got a great radio voice. Too. Oh, mm-hmm. thank you. I've been trying to, trying to work on it, and uh, that was actually my New Year's resolution this ah. year was to be on the radio more, but luckily I work at a radio station, so well, it's going to be easier. Aren't you fortunate? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good. So, yeah, and, uh, um, you know, uh, I never a day never goes by that I don't learn something. And, uh, and, um, uh, and that's my favorite thing. You know, John Wooden's my very favorite, and he said, when you stop learning, you're dead. Mm. You know, that we need to learn right up to the time we see Jesus, period. And I love that. I mean, people who my age retire and then they just sit or they play golf five million hours a day or weeks or whatever. I want to learn. I want to and I want to be around young people. I want to be around all generations. And I think that's important for us to learn to believe when people stop and decide that they're old. That's when they turn old. Of course. True. I mean, think of even, you know, not being, um, you know, even much younger people Mm -hmm. stop learning like they maybe finish school or they get their job and they don't ever mm-hmm. learn anything new no right. new habits or hobbies and i do i agree I, I think that's that's sad and every single one of us can name somebody who was old at 32 and young at 87 right exactly. right exactly yeah i was at a birthday oh sorry there we go i was at a birthday uh, real quick well, i was at a birthday party a couple years ago and this lady for her 50th birthday uh-huh. she learned how to play uh the drums uh-huh. and she played with a band for her party on her 50th that's awesome great thank you all for listening this is producer dave sitting in for angie austin on the good news with angie austin uh so i'm sitting here with my two very good friends michelle and michelle, michelle. And michelle. there we thank go thank you all for being here and please stay tuned there's more good news to come all right the good news of jesus for you in high definition radio and streaming at 670kltt.com This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver.
Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. There is so much fun stuff to do at the YMCA of the Rockies this summer, you're never going to want to leave. Come fill your days and nights with our exciting programs and entertaining activities. At YMCA Snow Mountain Ranch, we are celebrating our first summer at the Spruce Saddle Adventure Park, featuring a zip line, rock climbing, slack lines, and a pendulum swing, all part of a unique playground designed to ignite the spirit of even the youngest adventurers. The Spruce Saddle Adventure Park is located right next to our famous summer tube hill and our world-class dog park. YMCA has made Snow Mountain Ranch the place where the entire family can adventure together. YMCA Snow Mountain Ranch is the ideal family vacation located in a stunning environment that helps build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. Go to snowmountainranch.org. Fill your summer with fun, exciting, and affordable family adventures at YMCA of the Rockies. Book your stay at snowmountainranch.org today. Angie Austin here. You know, I've got a great interview for you. If you need a job or if maybe you want to move the kid out of the basement, far too many people are stuck in a nowhere position in the wrong environment working for a boss they hate. Well, that's on the back cover of the book. And I'm thinking, yeah, and a lot of people just don't know how to land a better job. You don't want to stay in a job that you don't like and you don't want your kids after college to stay living in your basement. So the author of Lose the uh, Resume, Land the Job, Almost everyone gets it wrong. This is how you get it right. Gary Bernison is joining us. Welcome, Gary. Hey, thank you. So how do we get it right? Because everyone has to do, you know, job interviews and everyone wants to get the job, to get the offer. So how do we get that, uh, you know, job offer? Well, uh, I, I kind of agree with you. The first thing is take your college grads, you know, the son or daughter and, and take the basement room and put it out for rent on Airbnb. I mean, that's kind of the best way. I Look, uh, you know, people, they, they, put, they think 90% of the deal is the resume, and it's not. And so what happens is they sit there and they try to come up with the perfect resume. They agonize over a verb or adjective. They think they're Hemingway. They get so frustrated that they just give up after three hours. And so, yes, you do need a resume. That's for sure. But don't forget the other 90%. And so for me, it starts with purpose and happiness. So I sit there and you know, and say, look, do, do an honest self-assessment, even if you're coming out of college. I mean, you know, what, what is it that gets me, you know, that gets me going, that gets me up without the alarm clock? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And from that, actually target cities and industries and companies that interest you based on that purpose and based on happiness. Uh, then what you've got to do is get that warm introduction into the company. So you've got to do the whole six degrees of separation thing. So I start with purpose, and then you're going to you know, target where you want to work, and then you've got to do the networking. Networking is a contact sport. But look, you want to get that warm introduction into a company. You don't want to just blindly send out resumes because 
if that's all you're doing, you just well go down and buy a lottery ticket. Now, how do you get that warm introduction? So you find the, you know, you find the companies that really appeal to you in, in you know, where you live. And, and you say, okay, um, you know, you got to go online and offline. You know, who's the leadership team? Who's on the board of directors? Who works there? Go on LinkedIn. Uh, Google the company. And you want to find those connectivity points. You want to find somebody that, oh, they went to this college. Well, uh, my cousin's friend went to that college. And so you've got to do, it's hard work. You've got to do that detective work of kind of triangulating to find somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that maybe worked there. And yes, that takes hard work, but it's a much better way to go than just sitting on your couch in your PJs, you know, blindly sending out resumes. And isn't it amazing how that warm introduction when someone says, hey, you know, I've got somebody I want you to consider for a job, how much more that, how much wider that opens the door? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's, I just can't even, you know, look, I've been in this for, for, you know, over three decades. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, that, that validation is gold. It's absolutely golden. And so rather than trying to create this, this incredible document that nobody, by the way, nobody's going to read anyway, you know, the average, (laughs) the average person takes less than 20 seconds. You know, when you're going in for an interview, guess what? They haven't probably read your resume. Wow. So, you know, it's a joke. And, and I'm not saying not to do it. You have to do it. But, man, focus on the other nine-tenths of the game, right? That's only a tenth of the game. I like that you talk about, uh, you know, I went on to Amazon. I was reading the reviews and about your background. And I like the simple um, ACT, the need to act. Uh, and you talk about being authentic and making that connection uh, or warm connection. Uh, and then a taste of who you are. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think the uh, being authentic, not to the point of saying, as, as my husband has a startup and recently interviewed someone, and they said that uh, the reason they left jobs so quickly is because they like work-life uh, balance. He's like, look, if I want to like go to yoga in the middle of the day or like get a latte, then I want to like go get a latte. I don't mean be that authentic, but you know, be yourself to ninety percent of that degree. Yeah, well, look, let me tell you the truth. I mean, there's a, you know, there's a negative correlation between work-life balance and career success. I mean, there's, there's nothing for free. Um, you know, that's for sure. You got you to gotta work for it. Um, but you're, you're right. So the ACT, you know, what, one step is, okay, you got to get to the door. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing is, okay, you've got an interview, so how do I get through the door? And the interview is kind of like this cross between a root canal and Disneyland, right? You don't know. <laughs> I love that. Right? And you're so, you know, you're like freaked out. What questions are they going to ask? How am I dressed? You know, all those things go through your head. And you've got you've to step back from that and say, what are you really trying to do? Well, you know, you're trying to make a connection. Because remember, they're going to have spent less than 20 seconds reading your resume. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, they're going to make a judgment on you in the first seven seconds. So, so you have to, you know, focus on ACT, being authentic, making that connection and giving the interviewer a taste of who you are, not what you've done. Um, though, you know, and, and just put it in the context of a conversation of being a guest in somebody's house for the first time. Yeah, I like that. 
I, I, li I like the uh, combination of uh, Disneyland and the root canal, too, because, you know, one does sound really great and the other we just, you know, have to put up with. Or you talk about as well, this is, was interesting to me and it kind of caught me off guard. You talked about recent graduates looking at potential jobs as a 12 to 18 month opportunity as maybe a step to like stepping stones leading to their dream destination. I've never heard that described before. And when people talk about millennials in a negative connotation, they talk about how they skip from job to job to job. But you're saying they can be stepping stones. Oh, absolutely. Look, that's the new normal. I mean, it used to be, look, I'm a baby boomer and I've got five kids, um, mostly millennials. I mean, it used to be that if you, you know, if, if you work for a lot of companies, you were called a what? You were called a job hopper. Mm -hmm. Well, now it's the opposite. Now, if you've worked at a company for 10 years, um, we start to wonder, wow, are they stale? So, so forget this millennial thing or baby boomer thing. It's just the reality of the world today. It moves very, very fast. So, so there's an expectation that you are going to be quite mobile and, and you are going to work for different companies. That's kind of the new normal. So, you know, if you're starting out out of college, look, you're not trying to find the destination day one. Man, this, this is a journey. And, and the number one predictor, what we found at Corn Ferry, the number one predictor of success is learning agility. So in other words, knowing what to do when you don't know what to do, which is good old-fashioned curiosity. And, and so you want to, the most important thing is you want to be learning and growing. So, so don't, make, you know, don't have the, the fantasy that this is going to be your dream job. Have the reality that this is going to be 18 months, and I'm going to use this and continue to parlay. I'm going to parlay this into something else. Well, I like it. Chapter three, that was my favorite chapter. I was going to ask you about the be a learn it all. You know, when I spent 10 years at NBC in Los Angeles, I started ripping scripts for 10 bucks an hour. And when I left, I was a weather woman on air. Well, that normally doesn't happen in the number two market. So I, what I did, I guess, is I job hopped within the company rather than going to different companies. But that being a learn it all, I think a lot of us think that um, the old school way of thinking was that if you were in a job for a long period of time, that earned you the opportunity to be promoted. But that's not the case. You have to learn the next job. You have to, as you put it in chapter three, be a learn it all. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, there was the kind of, you know, the the, the Peter principle, right? Where yes. you got you know, years ago, you got promoted beyond your confidence. Well, now there's yes. the Paul principle and it just is, Hey, you know, the world is changing so fast. Uh, if you don't learn, you're going to be passed by. So that's exactly right. And you can job hop within the same company. You don't have to look outside. And, and my first advice is if you hate your boss, you know, uh, don't necessarily assume the grass is greener. Look within the organization, depending on how big it is, mm -hmm. but look within the company itself for other opportunities. I love that. Love the book. Uh, lose the resume, land the job. Gary, where do we go for more info? Uh, you can lose the resume.com or Amazon. Lose the resume.com, and I'm on Amazon right now. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. See you later. Author, speaker, movie maker, and my mentor, Jim Stovall, has written almost 40 books now. Boy, Jim, when we started talking, I think you're almost up to 30. I can't believe how fast you write these books. Welcome. Hey, it is always great to be back with you. All right. We're talking about your uh, uh, Winner's Wisdom column, and uh, the title this week is Using and Abusing Power. So what are you going to teach us? 
Well, you know, a lot of our life is um, about getting power. It's, uh, you know, getting a new job, a better position, more control of our lives. More money means more power, more success. And then we have to use that power wisely. And uh, my great friend and colleague, Colin Powell, said one of the most important aspects of power is restraint. Nothing is respected more than a person with power who also has restraint. And, uh, you know, I think that's the important thing. And one of the, you know, things our country was lacking in the last several years was uh, probably the will to use our power. We were perceived as weak in some places because, um, you know, frankly, people didn't think we would use our power. We would say things like, uh, don't cross that line, and then you cross the line, and then, well, but don't cross this line. And then uh, if you cross that line, we're going to issue a stern warning letter or something. And, you know, you know, for power to be uh, effective, Angie, you've got to have that balance between I will use it if I have to, but I hope to never have to use this power. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I, my dad explains it to my son, like, because uh, he's a martial artist. My dad, uh, he's been doing Tai Chi yeah. for years, and he's uh, one of the highest degree black belts in Judo. And he explains that you you want to solve your problems in a soft manner and use your words uh, in a conciliatory, conciliatory manner, uh, but you want to be prepared if you have to use your power, uh, but you hold it back until it's necessary. Uh, but again, until it's necessary. And I think that um, maybe there was a feeling that when, with the past administration, uh, we conceded a lot and there was a political correctness in our country, which uh, leads to giving in, whether it be not speaking about our political beliefs, particularly if we're conservative because of the backlash or whatever it may be. Uh, but I think there has been a fear of using power. So you mentioned Colin Powell. Like, what? H- how do we properly, you know, use power? How do we use it in a way? Because I think great leaders aren't the ones that are just like just rip your head off like bosses, right? And so many people rise to that pinnacle because, well, they're tough. They're a tough leader. Well, the best leaders I've had weren't the jerks, but a lot of jerks make it to the top of the pile. And the best bosses I've had have um, led with a, kind of a, a soft hand. I, I don't know if I'm explaining that properly, but have led um, in a manner which really makes you feel part of a team and where they respect your opinion and they try to work as a group rather than just like, I'm telling you what to do and shut up. I had one boss that actually was told by everybody within the organization that he would listen to that they did not like the new logo, the new uh, theme for our um, station. And he told one guy, uh, th- keep your opinion to yourself. Now shut up and make that, you know, and do your, do your job. And it was a disaster. It basically meant that our, our station was um, was called like a something about a number two. Well, you know what little kids refer to a right. number two as. So that's what it referred, you know, it was like our station was going down the toilet bowl, but he wouldn't listen to anyone. And it and we ended up being the laughing stock of the city. And if everyone tells you you work with that your idea is bad as a boss, I think you should really listen a little. Yeah, I mean, people... You know, you don't have to change your opinion. You, you're still the boss. But uh, what I want my people when I go to work every day, I want them to know my door is open. We welcome your opinion and you will be heard. And then, you know, then we have to make a decision. And whenever possible, I try to explain the decision. And uh, sometimes it uh, involves your advice. Sometimes it doesn't. But at least you know you're heard. I think Teddy Roosevelt said it best about power. You walk softly but carry a big stick. Oh, yeah, I and, love that. That's, and you, yeah, that's right. You know, I remember that. And you, absolutely. And your word has to be good. I mean, don't tell your kids 
uh, hey, hey, if you do that, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, then you have to do it. You, right. you have to follow through. So you want to be very measured as you do that. And when you tell your enemies or anybody else, you cross that line, we will be forced to act. Well, be careful those statements because, you know, if you're going to maintain your power, you have to uphold those. You, your word has to be reliable and dependable, and the people around you need to know that. But the most powerful people ever often don't use their power. They don't have to explain, explain they're powerful. They don't have to flex their muscles. Everybody knows they've got the power, and, uh, you know, they use it judiciously, and we're all on the same team. And, I, you know, I think that's what we're really going for, and we all have power. All of us, you know, everybody within the sound of my voice right now, we have power over somebody, and we need to use it properly and use it well for the common good. Yeah, and I think that you leave a lasting impact on the world, your family, your coworkers, in how you uh, how you wield that power. And I love it in your article. You're talking about great power comes with great responsibility. And as a boss, you have a uh, a tremendous opportunity to impact people in a positive manner. I would love to work for you. I mean, I can I I can imagine how uh, you know. I'll, I'll bet you've had employees a long time, by the way, haven't you? Yeah, no one ever leaves, and I'm very grateful for that. We're more of a family. You know, after I was selected Entrepreneur of the Year, uh, the Wall Street Journal sent a guy to shadow me at the office for a week. And I don't know if he intended it so, but I took it as a great compliment. He said, you know, Jim, if I didn't know, because I knew it before I came here, I would have never known you were in charge. And wow. I said, well, I think, I think that is a great compliment. I mean, there's no one in my building in the offices or in the studios that I could do their job. I don't know how to do their job. So, you know, every day I go around and I ask them, how's it going? What can I do to help you? What can I, what do you need today? How can I help you? Well, I think that's, that's, that's biblical, that servant leadership. I mean, who doesn't want to work for someone that is in the trenches with you or feels like uh, you're valuable, you're just as valuable as they are, you know, as a boss. So I love that, Jim. I so enjoy, uh, you know, working with you and having you in the program. It's a real blessing to me. And uh, I, I also hope you listening, uh, that it's a blessing to you as well. How do we find you, Jim? Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. Walk softly and carry a big stick, just like Teddy Roosevelt and Jim Stovall. (laughs) Thank you. it's Angie. Hey, would you like to donate items? You know, maybe some old sporting equipment, old furniture, old clothing. You'd like the tax write-off. You'd like to help others, but it's kind of a hassle to gather it all up and drop it off, and you're just too busy. Well, guess what? Ark Thrift Stores, they will come right to you, to your house, pick up your items, and leave you your tax write-off donation form. How do you do that? Call 303-238-JANE, 238-5263. And again, all of these items that you donate, they help people right in our own community. Uh, They help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what better thing to do with your items that you no longer need than to help others? I shop at ARC all the time. I get my kids sporting equipment, gotten a rocking chair. I've gotten boots there. I have a purse that's amazing that still had the tags on it. It's a coach bag, and I got it at ARC. I shop there, and I help others, and I donate my items about once every month or two. And I call 303-238-JANE, and they come right to my house with a truck, and they pick everything up. Here, check it out. Again, 303-238-JANE.
Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to the good news. If you like the good news program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com, AngieAustinRadio.com. Just click on contact me. I would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Angie Austin here. Joining us is Susan Grissom. She's a chief industry analyst for the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers Association. That's a mouthful, Susan. Welcome. Good morning. How are you this morning? Doing well. We're going to talk about a healthy fuel chain supply needed to keep our economy competitive. And so let's just start with the basics, Susan. I don't know if many of us, including myself, really understand how the U.S. fuel supply system even works. Can you start there? I certainly can. And I will start by talking about what we refer to as America's Midstream Energy Infrastructure, which is the integrated system of pipelines, railroads, ports, waterways, storage facilities, and even roads that move energy supplies around the U.S. So moving energy supplies from the wellhead where crude and natural gas are produced to consumers. All right, so this is a much more complicated uh, system than many of us think. We just go to the gas station, put the pump in, uh, beep, there we go. So let's talk about how this very complicated fuel supply system could be more efficient, possibly. It could definitely be more efficient, and because... The United States is in the midst of an energy renaissance, and we're increasing our production of crude oil and natural gas. Investment in this infrastructure is needed to ensure it keeps pace with the production, and all of that production is actually contributing to the U.S. economy. And our members, AFPM's members, are investing billions of dollars in new energy infrastructure as well as maintenance of existing energy infrastructure so that we can enjoy the benefits of the record development of natural resources. Now, uh, I want to know more about the American Fuel and Petrochemical Manufacturers Association. What exactly do they do? We are a trade association, and our members own and operate more than 95% of U.S. refining and petrochemical manufacturing capacity. So our members make the petroleum products like gasoline and other transportation fuels that keep us moving, and the petrochemical products that are turned into everyday products like cell phones, but also technological marvels like heart valves and prosthetics, things that define our modern life. Hmm. Who would have thought? I had no idea. All right. Now, the the chain that you explained and kind of gave some, you know, like a synopsis of all the things involved in the supply chain. How does the fuel supply chain that we have make us, the U.S., more competitive? Our our fuel supply chain actually enables us to move refined products, crude oil, natural gas all over the United States. It also allows us to participate in the global markets. 
U.S. manufacturers, refining petrochemical manufacturers, are among the most competitive in the world, and they're able to participate in the global markets, which is good for the U.S. economy, and it's really and it's good for our balance of trade. Now, in terms of the midstream infrastructure, explain that in a little more depth and how um, modernizing, maintaining, expanding that midstream could make even more improvements in the quality of life of uh, Americans and also maybe even the price. Midstream infrastructure is the infrastructure in between production facilities and refineries. And as U.S. production of crude oil and natural gas has increased, there is a need to increase infrastructure. And if planned energy infrastructure projects are approved, that investment is projected to contribute more than $1 trillion to the U.S. gross domestic product. And that same development would employ an average of a million individuals annually across the United States through about 2035. So that midstream infrastructure, would that just, you know, bridges, better roads, better, making it easier um, for the uh, product to reach its destination? It does make it easier for the for the inputs into the manufacturing process and the products to reach their destinations. And it includes roads, but it also includes all of the other parts of the energy midstream infrastructure system, which are pipelines, waterways, ports, railroads. All right. Now, in terms of the takeaway, um, I want to get a website where people can go for more info. But what do you want people to take away from our interview? I want people to take away that midstream infrastructure and investment in midstream infrastructure is essential to the U.S. economy and it's essential to U.S. energy security. Very interesting. You know, I I think that many of us don't think about all of this when we go uh, to the pump or just in general had no idea about some of the innovation linked to your industry as well. So where do we go for more info, Susan? AFPM.org. And at our website, AFPM.org. Okay. And at your website. And at our website, yes. Your listeners will find an online version of our recently released report, The Fuel and Petrochemical Supply Chains, Moving the Fuels and Products that Power Progress. Excellent. Go ahead, Susan, since I stepped on you, give the website one more time. It's AFPM.org. Perfect. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Angie. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.